0: Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Pastor Steve Keller. All right, um, you have the title of today's sermon, which could bring up a a question for you, um, a question about the tone of this message, because uh, kind of made the question you might be wrestling with is, you know, exactly how are we coming out on the gate with this? You know, is this going to be one of those rest, it's about time, or is it Rest. It's about time and informative. So hear the word of God and we'll see if we can all figure this out together by the time we get to the end. Hebrews chapter 4, already partially quoted by an elder who had no idea I was opening the sermon with this. Tell me that's not the spirit, Jim Gatlin. But listen to this, Hebrews 4, 6 through 11. God's rest is there for his people to enter. But those who first heard this good news failed to enter because they disobeyed God, meaning they didn't, didn't enter in. So God set another time for entering His rest, and that time is today. God announced this through David much later in the words already quoted. Today, when you hear His voice, don't harden your hearts. Now, if Joshua had succeeded in giving God's people rest, God would not have spoken about another day of rest still to come. So... There is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors just as God rested from his after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey as the people of Israel did, we will fall or we will fail. Let's pray. Father God, we are not about failure in this place or falling short of this incredible gift you've given us. Lord, today, we want to take you up on your offer. God, you've thrown the door wide open, and you have invited us to come into your heart, into green pastures. As we we noted last week, this is really into salvation as a life, as a lifestyle. And we've learned that repentance is a part of that, but God, so is your rest. So today, I pray that we would just squeeze the juice out of your word and drink deeply. Lord, may we go out of here a very different people than we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, who's ready for a really difficult question, all right? Um, This probably applies to somebody in the room, but has anybody in here this morning ever really, really, really been tired before? It's the same thing in the first service. Everybody laughed when I asked that. Who's been tired? Me and Scott Pinnick have been tired, right? So have you. You've all experienced this before, you know, getting wrung out, worn out, just absolutely spent. And there, there are a lot of things in life that do this to us. Um, you know, maybe you're one of these people that, you know, you've worked on a project that started in the morning. I'm, I'm famous for this with my wife. Oh, Jane, it only take me 20 minutes to work on the car. You know, nine hours later, I come in the house. But you, maybe you had a project that started in the morning it just went into the night. You know, maybe, maybe your work day was like that in the office. Maybe it was like that around the house, but you've just experienced just, I mean, having everything squeezed out of you. Maybe, maybe you've been the primary caregiver for a loved one, um, and you might think, well, I've never had an aged parent, but have, have you ever been the primary caregiver for a sick child? Oh my gosh, that is a job without an end. But we've, we've also cared for loved ones that are, that are older as well, and That just does it to you, you know. Um, Maybe you've been the peacekeeper before in a battle, a battle in the home, a battle in the office, a battle between friends, and it's just exhausting. You know, it, it leaves you absolutely bone weary. But whatever it is that wore you out, when it comes to our physical lives, when we work hard and we go way too hard, something goes out of us, and it's called energy, and we find ourselves in a place where we have got to be replenished, we've got to be refilled and, ref- and refreshed, and there's only one answer for it, and it's partially the title of the sermon, it's rest. We got to rest. In fact, folks, if you don't rest, here's one of two things that will happen to you physically. If you don't rest, before long you get sick. And if you go long enough without rest in your life, you can even die. So this, this physical resting is a really, really big deal. Well, here's what I want you to understand. When it comes to the spiritual life, it's just as big a deal, maybe even more of a big deal. Folks, we, we live down here. We sing this, and, in, in, you know, this comes up in several of our songs. This is, we, we call this a weary world in Christian hymnology and in praise and worship. It is wearying spiritually and emotionally to walk, you know, on this planet, is it not? And if you answer the call, you know, when we answer the call to serve Jesus and to do ministry… And to reach out to people. You know, all these things pour out of us like love and peace and mercy and patience. And, and we just find ourselves at this place that's just like physical rest. we got to get refilled. we got to get refreshed and replenished. We need spiritual rest. The good news is this is what we're talking about today. So we are going to talk about this very great thing we need And today we're going to start in what might be an unlikely place for some of us. We're actually going to talk about the Ten Commandments, all right? Does everybody remember the Ten Commandments? They show up in two places in Scripture, Exodus 20. 20, Oh, my gosh, I can't believe I did that because Deuteronomy is coming next, and my mind has already jumped up there. Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5, right? We have the Ten Commandments. They're listed there. Um, You know, you can kind of get away with reading one and not the other because they're both almost virtually identical, you know, all these commands about how to relate to one another, how to relate to God, and again, they, they read almost exactly the same, but there's one of these commands that's actually a little bit different. You know, it starts off and uses some of the same language, but you turn the corner, you read all the way through it, and we find there are two big differences in this one command. Would anyone like to guess which command has has like a a stark difference? The Sabbath command. How did you get that? It it is the command of Sabbath. Listen to this. I'll read you the part that sounds the same, and then listen to the difference. And I'm going to tell you the differences here, and these are reasons for observing the Sabbath. These differences are really awesome. But again, they, you know, night and day kind of thing here. So listen, here's the similarity. Remember to to observe the Sabbath by keeping it holy. You have six days weekly for your ordinary work, but the seventh is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may work. This includes you your sons and daughters, your male and your female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. Now, don't get hung up on the fact that you don't have male and female servants. I know it's a bummer, but don't miss the point here, you know? The, the, these the, these uh, commands here in Exodus and in Deuteronomy have the same exact wording for rest, but then the reason that both give, again, couldn't be any more different. Exodus twenty eleven says this, observe the Sabbath... For in six days the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day he rested. But listen to Deuteronomy 5.15. Remember the Sabbath because you were once slaves in Egypt, but the Lord your God brought you out with his strong hand and his powerful arm. You heard the difference, right? Right? Exodus 20 points to creation as the reason we need to rest, while Deuteronomy points to slavery in Egypt as the reason to rest. So the question is, what's going on here? Well, here's the cliff notes. Here's the brief version. Exodus is simply saying this to us about creation. It's saying, look, if your God who does not need any rest, and can we agree on that? God doesn't need to rest. He's all-powerful. You know, the Word of God says he never slumbers or sleeps. I mean, God never runs out of energy. He doesn't need to rest. But on the seventh day, he rested. He put his feet up, and he commanded us to follow his example. If God says that to you and me, okay, you and me who are not all powerful, okay, if you think you are, I'm just lovingly checking you on that, okay? We who are not God. Okay, we run out of energy. If our God commands us to rest and follow his examples, you know what we need? We need rest. We need to follow him in this. Now, Deuteronomy is saying something completely different to us. It's saying, don't forget that you used to be slaves, but now you're free, okay? In other words, for for the people of Israel, there was a time in their lives in Egypt when somebody else called all the shots, they had no option, no choice, and they were worked, 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 worked. If you remember Exodus, the, the, the goal of the Egyptians was to work them to death, right? Anything it took, bricks without straw, day and night, they were going to work. Well, what God is saying here is, look, remember, I set you free from that. So rest is about freedom. You need to rest so you stay free. You remember you're free, but you stay free. Who's ever worked too hard? Do you feel like a slave? Yes. So there, there's something, there's a real spiritual kernel for us here. And so, so we have this, uh, we start off with this, and we still might say, okay, well, that, that's good about rest, Steve. You know, I kind of get it, I kind of get in the rationale, but the, the whole concept is, is a bit foggy, it's a bit vague. Well, let me help with that, and let me talk to you for just a minute about the concept, the issue of time. Because you remember... I said, hey, this this rest thing is all about time. Um, Let me talk to you just a little bit about time. Now, I forgot the book in this sermon, but I think it's going to pop up on the screen. A a guy named Mark Buchanan wrote an incredible book about rest and about Sabbath, all right? Um, It is the definitive book on it, as far as I'm concerned, outside of Scripture. And for two out of the three months of my sabbatical, I just marinated in this book. That's my way of saying, look, if you haven't got this book, you haven't read this book, get this book. It is a game changer. I'm trying to talk Neil into springing for a copy for everybody, but I'm getting nowhere, so pick it up. This is a phenomenal book. And here's what Buchanan does in the book. There's one place, sorry about that, Neil, there's one place in the book where he talks about the nature of time. And believe it or not, there are two words from the ancient world for time, One of them is Kronos, and one of them is Kairos. Now, here is what Kronos is, okay? Kronos is linear time. So, if you got a watch, look at it. That's Kronos. If you want to look up on uh, the clock on the wall, any clock you ever see is Kronos. The calendar on your wall is Kronos. The schedule that you keep or if you're like me, the list with times written down, that's Kronos, okay? Kronos is linear time. And y'all, even though Kronos, it serves us well in some respects, you know what Kronos brings to, to our lives? A lot of pressure, a lot of stress, a lot of drivenness. Why? Because at the heart of Kronos is deadline. I got to be over here at this time and over here at that time and I got to go do this and I got to do that. And that, that is Kronos, and there's a famous artist out there, uh, Francisco Goya, a long time ago, he, uh, he painted a picture and the formal name of the picture, title of the picture is Saturn Devours His Son. Well, the, the more common name for this painting is Kronos Devouring His Children. Do not get on your smartphone and look at this picture right now because I'm going to tell you, if you look at this picture, you are not going to be able to eat lunch It is the most grisly, horrific picture I think I've ever seen that was painted, but here's what Goya did. He captured how Kronos eats us alive. There's another kind of time, though, and it's called Kairos, and Kairos is God time. Think Ecclesiastes 3. There is a God-appointed moment for every event under the sun that's what we're talking about here. Kairos are God appointed moments, God appointed days and seasons in our life. Kairos is opportunity where conditions are just right for blessing and wisdom and peace and love to just come back and refill us in a spiritual sense. Kairos always brings to us refreshment, wholeness, healing, and peace. So, so do you kind of feel the difference between the two because it's big? Here's another way to help you. Kronos makes you ask this question, what time is it? Kairos makes you ask, what is this time for? Huge difference. Jane and I had a, a Kronos-Kairos moment um, in Washington. We, one day we decided we were going to go out and kayak because there was water behind the house. And so there was a bridge about a half a mile away. And we said, you know, let's just do it. Let's kayak. Now, we don't kayak much, okay? Um, it's just not something we'd like to, but we just don't have the opportunity. So we go out and we're kayaking to the bridge and the current's with us and the wind is with us and we just zip over to the bridge and we turn around and you're laughing because you know what happens, don't you? We cut back and all of a sudden, the current is against us. The wind is against us. And listen, it wasn't like, you know, Jesus and the disciples on the Sea of Galilee. It wasn't that. But th- there, was, there was a difference, and so, so we're paddling back, and it feels like we're not really making any headway, and Jane gets Chronos in her head, you know what I mean? And, and it's just the mother's heart, you know? My kids are back there at the cabin, and we're out here on the water. i got to get back there. i got to get back there now. we got to go. Steve, why aren't we moving? We're not making any progress. And I said, Jane, turn around and look behind you. And she looked behind, her, behind us, and the bridge was a quarter of a mile away. We had made all this headway. And the point of the story is not that my wife is challenged when it comes to distances, <laughs> because that would be me, right? But no, the, the point of it is that later on, Jane, Jane said to me, it was much later, but she said, you know, I realized in that moment that I was caught up in Kronos and I was missing Kairos. You know, I mean, beauty is all around us. There are seals, literally seals following the kayaks. There are birds overhead. It is the most beautiful day. I mean, this this is the quietest my day will be, and God is right here in the moment, and I'm caught up in Kronos. And so, listen, Jane is the greatest saint I know. If that can happen to her, it can happen to you, okay? So, anyway, here's the good news about about Kairos. According to the Word of God, he's already opened the door for it. You know, God's already invited us, us in to Kairos. he's already said to us, enter in with me. You know, God God has called his people into heavenly rest where we come to life again. I'll give you one example. The scripture we opened up with in Hebrews 4. I mean, what did it say? God's rest is here for you. There's a special time, uh, a season for God's people to enter into his rest and, and that time is when? That time is today, the word of God tells us. It's there. The way is open. Last week, Isaiah 30, 15, you know, in repentance and rest is your salvation. So I hope you hear this, and I hope it's inviting, you know. But I understand that we can all be in here today and go, okay, well, I hear that, Steve. But, you know, still, this is a vague concept. I mean, how does one spiritually rest? If we were talking about physical rest, I got it, you know. Go get in the bed and sleep for eight hours, you know. Lay on the couch, hopefully not at work, but, you know, lay on the couch and sleep for 30 minutes. Take a nap. Find a hammock. Put your feet up. But how do we do this in a spiritual sense? Again, good news from the Word. Psalm 4610. Some of you can quote this with me, but here God says to us that rest for us begins this way. God says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That is how we begin to step out of this Kairos, or this Kronos, and into Kairos. This is how, how we take that first step. We get still. We cease, especially on this day. We cease from everything that is labor, everything that is a taskmaster in our lives. And we are just with God. The goal of Sabbath rest is just being with God and just letting him rise up over everything in our life, whether it's grief, you know, whether it's hardship, whether it's bills. We don't know how we're going to pay, you know, those things. And I'll tell you this, my generation and the generation under me, we really need to get back to Sabbath. We, listen, my grandmother and my grandfather understood Sabbath. I'd go to their house, and Sunday afternoon was an amazing meal, you know, we'd breathe deep and just love the people around us and we'd spend the rest of the day sitting on the porch just cracking up and laughing, just enjoying God. We really need to recapture Sabbath and I'll get more specific about how we can do that in a minute but first I want to warn you about Sabbath and this would be the others in the room that don't need the warning, okay? Um, there's, there's also something that that generation really struggled with. Um, I want to talk to you now about what rest and getting still does not mean. Because historically, the church has also kind of messed up Sabbath. And if you want to know, what, how do we mess up the rest of God? How do we mess up Sabbath? Well, I'll tell you, it's by instituting a bunch of rigid religious rules that really don't bring life. Um, Rules that sound very right in the beginning from a certain perspective, but in the end, don't really end up being very good for the people of God. Let me give you some examples. Here's some examples of Sabbath rules from the ancient world, okay? Buckle up, because these are amazing. Uh, The the operative word here in all these rules is no, okay? So, no in front of everything. No, sowing, plowing, reaping, binding sheaves, threshing, winnowing, selecting, grinding, sifting, kneading, or baking. No… Shearing wool, washing wool, beading wool, dyeing wool, spinning wool, or weaving wool. Here's one that many of you are guilty of in the room. No making two loops. (laughs) I don't know what that means. Weaving, Weaving or separating two threads. No tying, untying, sewing, or tearing stitches. No trapping, slaughtering, flaying, tanning, scraping, marking, or cutting hide into shape. No writing two letters or erasing two letters, no building or demolishing, I I like that one, no uh, extinguishing a fire or kindling a fire, no putting the finishing touches on an object, and then our favorite, no transporting an object between a private and a public domain or for a distance of four cubits within the public domain. Wow! Okay, here are some from the modern orthodox world. No writing or racing or tearing, no business transactions, or driving or riding in cars or other vehicles, so folks, get ready to walk home, okay? (laughs) No shopping or using the telephone, no turning on or off anything which uses electricity, including lights, radios, televisions, computers, air conditioners, and alarm clocks. No cooking, baking, or kindling a fire, and no gardening, grass mowing, or doing laundry. But before we get too aghast or too humored by all this, here are some Christian Sabbath rules from the more fundamental sector. No playing cards, board games, or play of any kind on the Sabbath. No secular entertainment, including television, movies, or music on the Sabbath. No exercise or doing anything that makes you sweat. And then this is actually one from my childhood. No going out to eat because you're making somebody else work. Wow. Now listen, while some of those rules might be good for some people, they don't bring refreshment to many. They bring exasperation. Mark talked about a heavy yoke, uh, I think in the first service, she talked about a heavy yoke. This is a heavy yoke. In fact, I, I tell you what, I feel heavy yoke just reading those lists. They're exhausting because the point is they miss what spiritual rest is all about. And I'm not against a few you know, good disciplines that help you slow down, but these miss the point of Sabbath because you know what Sabbath is all about? You want to know what it's really about? Getting still and being with Jesus. Sabbath is about Jesus. Believe it or not, that that's the point of Hebrews 4. There, therefore, is now a special rest for the people of God. Keep on reading in Hebrews, that special rest is Jesus. Jesus is Our Sabbath. So listen, if you're somebody in the room today and you feel convicted because you you never stop and you never rest, or if you feel convicted because, you you know, you're kind of worn out by obsolete Sabbath rules, then your way out of both of those murky swamps and into God's rest is Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage every one of us to make the Sabbath a day about Jesus and a day with Jesus. And as for the rest, listen. Sabbath, this day, it is about doing whatever restores and refreshes you in His presence. Here's one good place to start. Get into the Word of God on the Sabbath. You know, just reading some Scripture to get you going. Meditating on the Word of God. Spending time in prayer, in devotion with Him. Here's another one. Now, this is a novel idea. On the Sabbath, you can also join with other believers and just reorient yourself to God through worship and the Word of God. You know what we call that? Church. Yeah, great thing to do on the Sabbath. Here's another practical one. Resting from everything that is labor and a taskmaster in your life. So I'm going to go ahead and preach this again. The Sabbath is an amazing day to take a nap. It is an incredible day, the holy nap. Put your feet up. The the Sabbath is also a great day to just play. By the way, you know what the point of play is? There is no point to play. You just do it because it's fun. The Sabbath is a great day to just enjoy the Lord like that. It really is. Some of us also have hobbies that we can actually do with Jesus. Now, my grandmother, was, she was a quilter, my, my English grandmother. She would quilt. And when she quilted, everything inside of her unraveled. She, 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 she prayed, I think, every one of us into the kingdom quilting. It's just something, a a Sabbath hobby she could do with Jesus. Some of us would work. I'll cross the heretical line and tell you what I do on the Sabbath every now and then. I love to work on my car. Oh, to take the bumper off a car. Oh, you know, rewire those fog lights a couple of weeks ago. I just get quiet when I do that. I have incredible prayer time. Here's even more heretical. When I was running marathons, I always did my long runs on Sunday or many times I did them on Sunday, 15 to 23 miles. I know, I know, it, it's, yeah, I, I, I needed some work back then. But for me, it was the most incredible meditation time. You know, I, I, I'd get downloads of whole sermons and just, I would come away and, man, I ran with Jesus. There's even a couple of guys around this church, and they, they maintain that Jesus likes football. You know, that they can watch football on the Sabbath and enjoy Jesus, and that's not true unless it's the Panthers, so I'm going to go ahead and tell you. <laughs> get away from that heresy, people. But listen, in, in the end, the Sabbath, Sabbath and resting in God, it is, is about whatever makes you like Mary in Luke 10, 39. Y'all, y'all remember Mary? So beautiful. Here's Martha running around just going nuts, getting things ready. Where is Mary? She is right there. Before Jesus, full attention. She is with him. She is locked into him. She's receiving from Jesus. And that's what this is all about. That we, folks, as the people of God, there 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 has got to be room and there's got to be intention on our part to push away everything that is laborious, everything that brings stress. Some of y'all do not need to pay bills on Sunday, okay? Jane and I learned that a long time ago. But push away all of that. And just embrace whatever it is that makes us still and fully present with Jesus. We need the Sabbath. Our our Creator says we need rest. Folks, that's how we get free. That's how we stay free. It's how we come to know that He and He alone is God. That's how we, we, we let Him rise up above everything in our lives. Sabbath is how we get refreshed in a very, very weary world. So listen, if you're not doing Sabbath or rest in some form, I'm going to tell you, you need it. You need it. I need it. One final thing about Sabbath. Sabbath is also meant to actually become a pattern for the rest of our lives. You know, Sunday was always meant to just be this, this one day that as we do it, as we really lean into God's rest... It, it, it kind of bleeds into Monday. And some of those practices end up happening on Monday and then Tuesday and Wednesday. Sabbath is actually meant to take over the whole of the Christian life. We're meant to be invaded by the rest of God. And I know it's hard to believe that from a guy who jumps around all the time. But I'm telling you, it's true. It's meant to dominate our lives. Isaiah thirty fifteen: in repentance and rest is your salvation. Pray with me. God, In Jesus' name, we want to do this. Lord, we just take a second, a moment, to get still in Jesus' name. Father, would you give us the grace today together to just step out of Kronos. And Lord, there are a lot of good reasons why we get caught there, God. Things like grief, demands, pressure, just that ticking clock can just keep us in a world where we're like a gerbil on that wheel. Today we want to turn out of that by faith, as Jim pointed out, and that that beautiful word from the Spirit, by faith, we want to turn to you, look to you, lock on to you. And Father, we want to breathe deep the breath of heaven. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, help us to get into Kairos into intimacy with you, fellowship with you. Lord, draw us, draw us deeply, deeply into your heart. Father, we say yes to to the beauty of God, the wonder of God, the refreshment of God. We say yes to the promises of God, to life and salvation. And I'll just go ahead and throw this in, Lord. We, We sang in one of our songs, help us feel the Holy Spirit. Lord, KPC is a charismatic church. Father, you have called us to be alive in the Spirit of God, to get lost in worship. You have called us to be filled to overflowing with the Spirit of the living God. And so, Lord, as a fire starter, I just want to speak to embers that have gone out, maybe because we've gone too hard. I just want to speak to those places in us in Jesus' name and just say, be relit, Be stoked today in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you spoke to your disciples and you said, receive the Holy Spirit. Father, today, afresh and anew by faith, we receive your Spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would fall on your church. I pray that you would fill us up, that the joy of our salvation would return, and and that, that your power and your love would just flow out of this church. God, we love you, and we don't want to live some other life that's dictated to us by a world that that is not running after Jesus. So, God, I pray that you would let us set the tempo in Jesus' name. Give your church her voice back. Lord God, just give, give us our step back. Give us our energy. Lord, help us to be everything you've called us to be. That people would look at us and go, man, I think Acts 2 is about those people in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Walk quietly. No, I'm kidding. Y'all rest today, okay? We love you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Enjoy. him. Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.